Kosmozatorski. Witajcie w kolejnym odcinku Radia Stelmet. Nietypowym, bo nagranym w całości po angielsku. Proszę o wyrozumiałość za mój angielski. Nie za Tomasa Kalatiego, który jest moim gościem i świetnie potrafi mówić w tym języku o koszykówce i nie tylko. Zaczniemy od pytań o Polskę, podróże, ludzi, jego karierę, a później już tylko i wyłącznie praktycznie do samego końca Los Angeles Lakers. Widziani jego oczami z bardzo bliska. Musicie tego wysłuchać. Oleg Czysz, Polish player, said something like basketball is a, is a journey. Are you agree with that? Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for sure, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna... I mean, there's gonna be times and moments where I'll remember individually or something like that, but it's mostly about all the, like you said, the journey, man, all the people, all the wonderful people I've met, all, all the teammates, the coaches, um, you know, especially playing in Europe, traveling, I've lived in four different countries, you know, and how many different cities playing basketball. And um, I mean, that's what I'm going to remember the most. And that's why I think I, I keep playing because I want my I want my kids to experience this as much as I do. You know, something that they can they can look back and say, wow, you know, we, we really, you know, we lived in all these different countries and we got to experience so much culture, uh, Polish culture, Spanish culture, all these countries that I played in. So, I mean, it, it's, it's been an incredible journey, but I'm, I think I, that's what I'm going to take away the most is not necessarily like any individual award or some championship as much as just the people that I've met on the way. And that's, that's really cool for me to have the relationships that I've developed over these years of playing basketball. Mm -hmm. how, how can you compare Polish people uh, to American people? Are American more positive than Polish people? Polish people like to, you know, bitch about everything. Yeah, well, we do too. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> American, well, you know, it's, I think it's just this, the way you're raised in America, you're raised to be a free thinker, to really go out and, and do it yourself, to try to be, uh, how do you say, outgoing, you know, that's why I noticed, one of the things I noticed, I can speak because, you know, I met my wife, is that she was very, um, you know, like, she's patriotic about her country, but she's very, uh, she didn't want to try new things, you know, she was... Uh, a little bit scared to try new things like going to Spain. I remember she was a little bit hesitant and and these types of things So I think that uh, that's just the way we grow up in, in America um, and Here in Poland, I think that you have a great country. I think people that I've met have been incredible it just like you said, maybe a little more positive outlook on life would be uh, Something that I think could could go a long way for this country. I think that the, the future looks bright for, for the people in this country and um, That's, I mean, I have nothing really bad to say about mm -hmm. Poland or Polish people. Have you noticed how Poland has changed in recent years? I think so. Oh my, well, you know, I, <clears throat> your economy, for one, has been pretty steady. I know that through, through the financial crisis of Europe, I think Poland was one of the only countries that had a positive GDP, you know, gross domestic product economy. So that's one thing. And then as a basketball uh, player, when I played in Turów, in Zgorzelic, I mean, traveling to these small little gyms, it was, it was terrible. Now you have some nice arenas. Um, you have highways to get to these cities. You don't take 12, 13-hour bus rides like we used to to get to, like, Odinia. And now you have, you know, so the, I think that Poland as a country is really improving and um, it's really being a, a well-known country uh, in, in the European Union. To, it's like one of those later countries that are going to develop kind of like you see like Germany or like one France or something like that. So I think that, it's a, like I said, it's a positive future for Poland. You also lived in Russia. How was it? Russia was, oof. It was, uh, it was, it was an experience, I'll tell you. I was scared to go, reluctant to go, but um, people there seem to be a little more 
cold, I say, you know, when you first meet them. But if you meet, once you get to know them, they're very hospitable people. But I think that at first, you know, people in Russia, they stick to themselves. They don't try to get anybody's business. They're very, um, you know, it's almost, it almost seems unfriendly when you meet somebody. But they don't, I don't think they mean it like that. And, you know, they're, they're very tough people. I know that. Um, but my experience at the end was I really enjoyed the people in Russia and, and had a good experience, a good time there. Kim Moscow is one of the biggest organizations right now. Can you compare EuroLeague club to the you know, NBA organization? I, what I, is the biggest difference? I mean, well, it's, for one, it's money. You know, I mean, money and, and uh, with the kind of money that is in the United States because of TV rights, you know, this is a billion dollar industry. Uh-huh. Billions, you know. So, arenas are incredible. Facilities, you have the best of everything. You have... They're able to hire the best, you know, trainers, coaches. You have everything at your disposal. As a player, when I was with the Lakers, I mean, you you go in, you have, we had a personal chef that would cook our meals for us after practice, before practice. Uh, we had as many, you know, coaches we wanted to get shots up. If you want to shoot on your own time, they'll come to the gym with you and work with you. So, um, and then traveling. Also, traveling is unbelievable. You fly. Uh, first class, private, uh, chartered flights. You stay in the best hotels. They everything is to protect the player because it, they should because it's a big investment. They're paying players millions of dollars, so they want them to take care of them. And so I think you have a few teams. I think Teska Moscow is one of the teams that stands out as one of the teams that might be something comparable to the NBA. Um, I think Maccabi Tel Aviv. I heard good things about Maccabi, um, or organization-wise. Kimki is a very good organization. Valencia. Um, Malaga, those were those were some really good organizations that I that I played with, and um, but I, I don't think you can really compare it to to the NBA. Uh, can you compare the style of coaching in, in Russia and in Spain and in Poland? Well, you know, do you see the difference? I mean, not really, because <laughs> all my coaches have been from different countries, you know, or like uh, I, I've mostly played for Balkan coaches, um, so they have the same mentality, you know, to um, really work you. Um, I mean, I am sorry uh, for you. Yeah, yeah. Now the European—that's one thing I would say. The European coaches that I've played with, the mentality is—I think it's a little bit too much. They over—they—they they overkill you in practice. Whereas in the NBA, it's more about maintenance. They take care of you, and you, we need you to perform in the games. You know, so I practice so hard. We practice so hard, and you get to the game, and you almost don't have. You know, you can't be at your best. It's frustrating sometimes because you know that you're playing at 80% of your power because you're you're exhausted. So I think the European coaches are um, some the ones that I said. You know, the ones that I've had I could could take it a little bit easier on, with uh, with the practicing. Can you tell me the the story about Scariolo when you were sleeping in the same hotel? You remember when you say something like Moscow is too big that Scariolo wanted us to all in, in one oh that hotel. was yo oof, that was that was one of the bad things about Russia yes you know <laughs> I mean I feel bad that he got fired but maybe it was it was okay for me because I got to sleep in my house no we were always in a hotel no matter what you know you go away you stay in a hotel on home games the night before he'd want to take us to a hotel and this wasn't a hotel that was like I don't know in some in the city or we would go out and it was really out in the woods in the forest you're out there by yourself And we'd stay there and um, because he felt like Moscow was just too big that maybe guys would uh, not take care of themselves. But I, I don't think we had that problem. I think that's just something that he's done through his career. So um, I hated it. I can't lie. You know, I, I like to prepare. I have my, my routine on the road, and I have a routine that I do 
here at home. And I think that if you take players out of their routine at home, the comfort of being home, it can hurt their ability to play at home. So mm-hmm. um, I, that's one thing that I didn't like about it. Can you tell us a story about invitation from uh, Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, it was an incredible experience. I mean, at, at that time, they had won two champions in a row. Uh, Phil Jackson was there. It was his last year. So... Um, Which year? It was 2010, I believe. Okay. Yeah, right. Uh, 2009, 2010, that year. And what happened was uh, I just had a great year in Malaga. I signed a contract in Olympiacos, but they said there was something wrong with me and that I needed surgery. Turned out that uh, I was like, okay, I, didn't, I think they just wanted to go a different way. I ended up going back home. I checked with some doctors there. They said I was perfectly okay. And then my agent called me and said, listen, you have a chance to go to try out for the Lakers. It's like a three-man tryout. And so I went there and I ended up performing well. And they said, okay, we want to take you for training camp. And then as I got there, I was one of seven guys, I think, in the training camp that was trying to make the team. And everyone was talking about they're, they're not going to take any of the players, just something like that. But anyways, I kept playing. I kept fighting. And it was uh, it turned out that They, they, they asked five guys to leave. They kept me through the entire training camp. And they were really thinking about keeping me. It got to the point where they were over the luxury tax, and which it was heartbreaking. I know, just bad luck. And they, they asked me to stay on the D-League team, but they said that I would for sure be called up. We think that you can play. You could, you could, you could be a backup. You could uh, give some, you know, some small minutes at the two behind uh, Kobe, behind Sasha. So I was, I was really excited about the opportunity. But at the end, uh, I didn't want to play in the D-League, and I had a great deal coming from um, from Valencia, I believe it was. And so I decided to uh, to take that job in Valencia, where I went and won my first Euro Cup. But they said to me, they said that we I belonged on the team. They told me that to my face, and they said, we will call you for the next year. And when they called me, I had a great offer from Kimki. And I couldn't, it was the league minimum, it was coming to training camp again and proving myself so I said I'm going to take a sure thing and, and so I know I'll play and so I went to Kim Kiki deal so I didn't want to give give up the, okay. the deal in Russia for okay. for that yeah do you have some stories from from the Lakers a few uh, you know I mean uh, one that is the one stands out to me the most I remember t- calling my sisters after it happened you know I was um, do you have time yeah sure okay. <laughs> do you have a time <laughs> yeah, yeah no so uh, we were I was playing pretty good in camp you know and During this training camp, at the end of practice, they would play five on five. They'd bring in referees, and we'd play five on five. So I started off on the third team of five. So we come in, and, and I, this is my first opportunity to really guard Kobe in, in a game situation. And I played incredible defense. Probably, you know, he probably wasn't taking me too serious, but I mean, he's he's a competitor, so he was also going hard. And I played really good defense, and I think I got his attention because the next day, the next morning, uh, they called me Wally. He called me Wally because I'm from Walla Walla and when they, they first was a joke they said where the hell are you from you know where's Walla Walla you know I was like a, what's that yeah, what's, what's, the city that I'm from that uh-huh. I was born in in, in the United small States it's small it's Walla Walla so he called me Wally he's like Wally so I came in and practice I was just shooting before and he's like Wally come here he's like we're playing one on one and I was like okay he gave me the ball and, I, and then I went to the three point line he said no no in the post so I said okay so I started playing the post so I I took the ball I scored my first My first play against him, I scored. Took the ball again. It was make it, take it on the right block. I scored again. And then there was some, like, some, 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 some of the guys that were at Lamar Odom was, hey, you know, the rookies, rookies, kill him, rookie, you know, give it to him. And, uh, and Kobe made a look, kind of like looked over like, yeah, right. He gave me the ball. I remember he just took the ball from me. I don't know, foul or no, he just took the ball from me. It was his turn to play. 
he scored five straight points. And I'm telling you, I, I couldn't play better defense. He scored five straight. He went to the other block, and he scored another five straight on me. And he, he absolutely destroyed me. And it was, I just, I never had so much more respect for any player in, in, in my career. And absolutely, because he, he puts in the work. And he's talented. He's incredible. But a lot of things that people don't know about him or don't see was how much, how hard he works. So if a guy that's the best, one of the best players ever in the game, if he can work that hard, it makes you wonder, you know, am, am I doing everything that I can to, to step my game up? So um, but that, was, that was the best experience I've had from the Lakers. What can you say about Kobe as a person? Because there is a lot of stories that that he's a hard worker and also not a guy that everyone likes. Yeah, in I, the team. but I, yeah, you know, because he, he's, that's just how competitive he is. He's so competitive in nature. People said the same thing about Michael Jordan. And I think that in order to be Michael Jordan or be a Kobe Bryant, you kind of have to have that personality. You have to be that way. You're so competitive. And I think that, you know, that's, just part of him his passion for the game and 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 where his legacy what he wanted to do what he wanted to accomplish and i don't think you can be a nice guy or maybe something like that uh and be in his position so but for me as a person on the team outside of basketball was was great he was normal he was funny um good teammate but he was very demanding and i mean i could tell you stories Two that stick out in my mind about him uh, that happened in training camp. That kind of it was the first day of training camp, the very first day, and we had a we had a shell drill. We were playing four on four, a shell drill, and we came on. There was me, two rookies, and What's a shell drill. A shell drill is a, it's a four. It's, you got four guys, kind of like you got a guy in the corner, 45, 45 corner, and then you got four guys on the inside playing defense, and you just rotate the ball around, and you get you you practice. You're working on defensive position, and uh, but it was live. So and one of the rookies, um, can't remember his name. He turned the ball. He made a pass, and the defense stole it. And Kobe was on offense. He just stopped practice. He went. And he yelled right to the face of the rookie and was like, "Hey, mother, beep! You know I can't want to say it. You're not here to make turnovers. You're here to help." And I, I mean, I know the face on all the rookies. We were like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, this is the first day. And we were, after that, we were scared. Nobody wanted to make a mistake. So that's just how he is. And that's what you have to, I mean, it's his team. It's his world. You have to be there. Uh, Phil Jackson, the management, the, the organization, they allow it. And they believe in him and as they should. So just if you're going to work with Kobe, you cannot make mistakes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how we were feeling. So, um, but that, that was one of the, the situations. It was the very first day. And that just tells you something about how, how hard he is, how demanding he is. Um, and how competitive he is. Can you say something about Phil Jackson? Because he's one of the greatest personalities yeah. in basketball uh, history. Phil Jackson was amazing. Uh, to be honest with you, he didn't he didn't waste his breath. He didn't he didn't speak a lot. He would uh, he had, he had some problem with the hips, so he had this big, huge chair, really comfortable, king size chair that would sit at the half court in the practice gym, and he'd be sitting there, and it would be the assistant coaches that were kind of coaching practice. And uh, it was amazing because, you know, we're playing and the players are talking. They're so competitive. They're talking trash to each other. That's one of the things. If you go to an NBA practice, the amount of trash talking is it'll blow your mind. It's incredible. But that's part of the game. And everybody's, you know, being whatever. He saw something he didn't like. I remember he stood up. He did his famous, his whistle. He said, hey, guys, in a, in a very calm voice, but immediately the gym went silent. I mean, how much respect he has from the players 
it was incredible. So he just stands up, he whistled, it was silent. He explained what went wrong. He said, come on, let's do it better, do it like this. He sat back down and immediately it just the effect that he has on the players so it was really amazing to, to watch that and you know me i was there as a player but i was also there like a spectator like when you take the time to realize who you're around you're around you know kobe bryant you know Paul gasol phil jackson these are legends lamar odom uh D- Derek fisher was incredible was a great guy a great leader so i was trying to learn as much as i can and just just to watch them watch their actions watch how they handled different situations. I think it was something that helped me improve my my way of my way of game. You know, uh, the way I play, the way I handle situations too. So um, that was probably the best thing I took away from the Lakers was was the experience of watching how these legends and how these incredibly talented, uh, smart coaches and players played the game. Mm-hmm. How these guys treat guys like like you? Like they know that. You are probably not going to get to the team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's different. It's, it's different, but you know, from player to player. But like, uh, when you first get there, you're kind of like you're a nobody. You know, you are um, you're just somebody there, a body to kind of help. You to are be, bu- building your name yeah, on, on the practice. You, you like have you, you have to, yeah, yeah. But I mean, those guys, they really don't. You, the, the respect has to be earned. I'll tell you that. But like, I'll tell you, Derek Fisher came up to me and uh, Tony Gaffney. We were two rookies, and he said, listen, guys, you're rookies, so after practice, if you see water bottles or Gatorade bottles on the floor, uh, pick it up, put them in the trash, clean all the balls, um, make sure the gym's clean. And But he was, really, he was really respectful, and I admired that about him. And he said, okay, you guys just make sure you know, you're here to, to do that. So we said, okay. And, uh, and then, you know, when we were traveling on the road, they give per diem in the NBA, they come and give you an envelope of, of cash. So you get $130 a day for each day. So yeah, so uh, despite how much money they're making, yeah, it's nice. So we were going to Las Vegas for a tournament, and we were there for three days. So uh, I got my per diem, so you know, $390 for three days. And Derek Fisher came to me, and he said, hey, rookie, and he gave me his envelope of cash. And uh, Lamar Odom gave me his. So I was like, oh, you know, it's nice. But uh, so that that's actually one thing is they do, they are a little bit hard on the rookies. They make you do stuff, but they're the first ones that'll like you know they come give you their per diem or they take care of you though i've heard rumors of them buying uh rookies uh presents sometimes if you make the team that you know they've bought guys cars um you know buy watches stuff like that so they're really they're really cool because you know it depends on what kind of veterans you have if you have good veteran players like i did it was it was really fun did yeah. you guys went to the club together yeah how was it amazing come on Ama- tell me yeah it, it, it ama- you know what talking about it doesn't even justify how amazing it was but um we played against sacramento kings and we had a game there and after the game we had a uh like a banquet i don't know how you would in polish if you understand that but like a type of thing where yeah we we, we went to this uh, we had to meet at seven o'clock at night we had a small dinner and it was with all the sponsors or the the uh main Uh, I think like the floor seats people who have floor seats in the Lakers so we had to mingle and talk with all the people that have you know really rich people who are sponsored of the team or main main clients of the team I don't know what you would call them the uh, main ticket holders and after that they took us a party bus you know we rented they rented a party bus this VIP party bus for the team and I really I felt like a president or something how much security we we had Uh, they rolled us right into the club They walked us in like on a red carpet type thing with security 
all the way. And I mean, the club in Las Vegas, it was huge. And there was, there had to be, you know, five, 600 people in the club, maybe more. And they security took us right up into a VIP section. We had three tables to ourselves right next to DJ. And um, we, we, we danced, we had fun, we partied the entire night and it was really amazing. And um, it was, the whole experience was just something that I wish, you know, people could experience. Um, but it, for me, was, I think, one of the highlights I'll take. Not just the party, but the entire Lager experience. One of the highlights of, of what I'll take away from my career. Do you have some uh, some memories from the games, from the from the preseason? Because you played against NBA guys. Yeah, I I, I you know I always joke with J um, James because James is a really big fan of Steph Curry, and uh, Steph Curry was playing for the Warriors, and my first game against them, I, I I played maybe I played maybe two minutes. You know, I always played this the way they call garbage time, and there was one situation where I caught the ball on the wing and Steph Curry closed out on me and I pump faked penetrated left and pulled up and and i hit a jumper and and then i guard him for one position and he missed a shot so in my mind i i'm i'm up 2-0 steph curry so i always you know i make fun of james and i tell me you know hey i'm i'm, I'm being i'm ahead of steph curry you know I'm, i'm i'm better than him so and he told me was that steph curry from when he first got there or is it steph curry from now and i said yeah he was he was still finding himself as a, yeah, as, a he, as a young rookie, rookie. Yeah, yeah 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 So um, no, but it was playing at that level. It's really guys are just. I think the biggest difference. I don't know. It, it's amazing. They're so confident, but that's that's given to them by the the, the coaches and the, and the organization. I mean, when you have people always ask me like, who's the hardest guy you had to, to defend? And for me, the answer is always the same. It's whoever has the most confidence. When you have a guy with talent, but he's confident or he really believes himself. Mm -hmm. You can't. I mean, they're so hard to stop somebody you, like that. Do you remember those guys, like from you know, the court? Yeah. Well, I mean, from I mean, in the NBA, I didn't play enough. I wouldn't say I played enough uh -huh. uh, to really get that feeling. Other than the guys in practice, you know, playing against Kobe Bryant was okay. That's there's no better person. This guy's unstoppable, really. But um, in Europe, I I think the one of the hardest guys, the most difficult guy for me to guard ever was uh, a Serbian player. Uh, Igor Rakosovic, you know him. He was a great player. He played in Basconia. He played in year. He's a yearly played. He was incredible. He was one of the toughest guys I've had to to guard. Uh, Luis Bullock was one. Was, was another guy. He played for Real Madrid. These guys are a little bit older, but uh, you know those are those are two that I can think of off the top of my head. Did you play in Staples? Yeah. Yeah, we played. Well, we played. It was nice. We played in the old Laker Forum, the the historic Laker Forum. Played a couple games there. We played uh, against the Clippers in um, in the Staples Center, which is also their gym. You know, so yes, um, and that was when they had Blake Griffin and and all this. So it it was it was it was fun. My family got to come. That was also great. You know, that my my sister she lives in L.A., but they got to come watch me play. My other my younger sister she also flew out to L.A. to watch and. You know, for them to, to, if I want to talk about it, it was amazing because I had an entire country behind me. Or when I when I signed with the Lakers, Eritreans, the country of Eritrea, they they went crazy. They were, they were. I mean, the amount of support and enthusiasm I got from them was was really amazing. And um, my dad told me that it, if I would have made the team, like at one point, it was possible that the, the president wanted to call me of the country. So it was a big deal because there's no Eritrean basketball players professional. I don't think I think I'm one of the only ones and. 
So it was a big deal when a guy from a you know small country of Africa, the Horn of Africa, made the NBA. Would be the first one ever. So um, it was a big deal, and I think that did a lot for, for a lot for those people too. A lot of fans and a lot of uh, for my family. It was a big deal for them as well, not just me. Can you t tell me some stories about Lakers as a, as an organization? Every I think NBA team has a practice facility, uh, so you don't you know we didn't practice in the Staples Center. You know we just played the games there. So we had a your own practice facility. You come there. Now the, the you have the team locker room, which is phenomenal. You have a players lounge, where in this lounge you have you know four or five big screen TVs, Xboxes, Playstations. You have massage chairs full-on kitchen and then we had a personal chef one girl that was there and um we had a buffet breakfast buffet that we'd come in for before practice you'd come in and eat breakfast within the players lounge and then you'd practice from 11 to 1 30 and after she would be in there preparing she had prepared some food but if you wanted something uh she'd prepare it for you and i mean just i mean to have that type of access was was, was one of the best things about the nba you had if you had an injury you had 10 physios i don't know 10 trainers that that could work with you so everybody had individual treatment which is really i think um really rare to have something like that in europe you don't see it at all in europe but in the nba you have individual treatment so you can really uh work on your injuries work on your rehab whatever you need to get better you have somebody for you that can pay a lot of attention to you that's why those guys and they get treated really well and like i said they're it's such a big investment for the team so obviously they want to take care of their players so organization is you're not going to find a better organization i think in the world than 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 the lakers they're absolutely first class and they know they are that's why they've i mean the history is there the players are there the championships that they've won it's all because of that And you got also a chance to, to practice with Kobe in his prime, yeah? Yeah, well, was he? Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, what, around 30 years old, I think. Maybe, yeah, 29 or 30 years old. I don't even know, in 2010. So. He got his fifth ring, yes? His what? Fifth, yeah, fifth yeah. Fifth ring? Well, that year, that, that was the last year they won the championship. That was before Phil Jackson, I think he left to somewhere, I don't know, to New York, or I don't know where he left, but, yeah, so... Um, Like I said, I can talk about Kobe forever because I really have so much respect for him. I liked him as a player before. I thought he, but it's it's one thing to see a guy on TV or to hear about things or read about things, but to actually experience it in, in, in you know face to face, you see. I think that everything that he's got in his life, he he deserved because of how how much time, how much work, how much passion he puts in, and it's a lot of sacrifice too. And I think that he deserved everything he got. And, um, but, you know, for me, the most important thing I took away was it was seeing that and saying, asking myself the question, am I doing enough for myself? If this guy is as talented as this, as ever, you know, one of the best ever to play, if he can put in that much time, you know, what can I do more to improve my game? So that was, I think, when I started to really try to uh, to do more for myself, um, you know, in the off season and, and, and even during the season. Mm. If you if if you could come back to this year, mm -hmm. what would would you like to change to to get to the team? I think I should have been more aggressive. Uh, you know, it's funny. I had uh, I had coming out of college, I had draft workouts with San Antonio Spurs, with uh, the Warriors, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, 
Um, but the San Antonio Spurs took me twice. So I went for the draft workout when I came out of college, and then a few years later I came in also. And I remember one of the main coaches there, uh, he had came up to me and said exactly this. He said, Thomas, you're a hell of a player, but you're too nice for the NBA. And I, I thought about that. And I, and, you know, my dad's been telling me that since I'm young. You know, my dad's saying, why are you – you always care about others. You always make others look good. You don't, you're not selfish enough. And that's basically what he told me. He's like, I'm not selfish enough. And I've heard that so much in my career. It's just not who I am as a person. So I don't think there's anything I could do. I mean, I, I, I play the game the way I think it should be played, which is, is, is team-oriented. Try to look out for the guy next to you. And that's just how I am. And I think that in order to be in the NBA, you have to be kind of about yourself and, and selfish and, and that's exactly what and that's why I think I, I, I my opportunity to play in the NBA was never there um, I mean I had plenty of opportunities but I could never capitalize on those opportunities because of that and that, that coach he said it perfect uh, I've been hearing it from my dad and I've heard it from other coaches and other players they, these guys tell me you know James is always in my ear he's like man he's like hey tell me if I had your shot uh, if I had your skills I would be in the NBA <laughs> you know because they uh, they 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 see something that a lot of people see, but I just that's just not who I am. I'm perfectly happy with how my career has gone. Yeah, maybe it sounds stupid, but it sounds like you have to you know sacrifice your personality to to get the team in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's just honestly, I don't think you can. I don't think you can be, you know, have that type of really selfish personality, like something like that they wanted me to have. And then go out off the court and be a completely different person. I think that has to, you have to have something in you, you know, a little bit of that. It carries on both sides because I've seen it. I've seen guys that are a little bit selfish on the court, and they're nice guys off the court, but you can see that they're, you know, they're also look for themselves. And and I just never had that. I've always. Uh, that's why I don't think I couldn't be like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. You know, I can't be two faced. Mm-hmm. I am who I am, um, and I think that people that have met me, my the the reputation I've had in my career. Uh, a lot of people say a lot of good things about me, and they say that I've I've a uh, pleasure to work with. I'm professional, so I think I'd rather take that than to say, "Hey, I made the NBA," and uh, and treat people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's also funny because your style of play is like perfect guy for for the Spurs. Yeah, for the for the yeah yeah yeah. That's that's. I mean, they they took me a couple times, and uh, I know they really like me. I just uh, and I didn't have a good workouts in the Spurs. To be honest, I was. I was not in the best uh, shape. They, they, I was not expecting them. I, I had done my workouts, and I thought the summer my agent. We talked about it. I was done, so I kind of went on vacation. So I was already on vacation for about seven days without touching a basketball, without doing it. And I got a call, and it was late. Calling, they say they want you to go there for one week, and I was like, oh man, I, I haven't touched the basketball, but you can't say no because, you know, that's what it was. So I, I didn't have the best performance. Um, but still, it was it was enough to to impress them because I ended up like I said they 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 brought in about thirty guys and I ended up staying with the last ten that tried to to, to make it. And so, um, but I just didn't give enough. So maybe a little disappointing, but it is what it is. And you also have an opportunity to work with Popovich. Uh, just, I mean, I just, I didn't get to speak to him too much or something like that. He was he was there. He was uh, coaching and he was kind of running some drills. But usually in those training camps or the mini camps that they have, it's always ran by the assistant coaches um, of, of the team. So that's the mostly the guys work. Even the, even the, the main, you know, Ginobili was there and stuff like that. We're working with the uh, assistant coaches rather than with the main coaches. 
do you have something like you know Spurs jerseys, uh, Lakers jerseys, or T-shirts in your closet? You know what? This is that's probably the most disappointing thing is that I was always, you know, the other players. <laughs> it's sad to say, but they, they I will took everything. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they I did. Took they, everything. They, they, you know, there was just, there was everything was this right there. They, they they so the other players they were taking it. They were taking so much gear, and uh, you know they they asked you guys to re they asked us to return the stuff. And you know me being the person I am, I said <laughs> okay and. You know, I gave him back everything, and like I have nothing from San Antonio. I have stuff from the Clippers, the Lakers jersey. I didn't take it. I don't know. I did two or three of them. I didn't. I wasn't thinking. I'm telling you. I I thought I. I, I don't know. <laughs> this, this so you don't so know where is your I'm Lakers so, jersey? Yeah, I'm so Come disappointed. On. I want to call them and ask about. No, no. It's yeah. Okay. I mean, but even I have like I have some Lakers sandals. Some team Lakers sandals <laughs> that I have, and some shooting shirts, some like stuff like that. But no, nah, my jerseys, no the official NBA jersey, I don't have it. I would like to ask you about your uh, shot because it's like it's like perfect. It looks perfect. It, you know, that's been my you know it's one of the great things I've developed. Uh, but I can't take credit for it. You know, I had an amazing, amazing teacher. You know, coach. One of uh, was a great shooter himself. His name In is Jim uh, Walla Walla. And Walla Walla. His name is Jim Thacker. He was our high school coach, and uh, he just he saw me one day in this uh, like YMCA. This is a random gym. I was I would think I was around 11 years old, something like that. And he he came, pulled me aside, and said, "I want." He showed me a few drills. He said, "I want you to do something like this." And he taught me how to shoot. He taught me this. We call it beef. Beef is B E F is balance, uh, elbow, eye, follow through. And he worked on me with a few things. And he was known for developing shooters and. So I really I credit him for for developing my shot um, and and making me focus so much on being a shooter and um, that's kind of that's guys what's got me to this this point in my career. Do you I think got. you can teach your shot? You, you know, I think that uh, I can teach the mechanics, the form of shooting. Yes, but what you need to also have as a shooter is confidence. You have to have, believe in your ability, and you have to put in the work. If you put in the work, you have the confidence. And that makes the difference between a good shooter who has good mechanics into a great shooter who just because some guys they don't have the good mechanics of shot, but they have the the confidence. They know that they're going to make shot because they 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 feel it. They they put in the time, they put in the effort, they put in the work. So that's a big part of it too. So I think that um, it's a little bit of both. You've got to have good mechanics, but you've got to also have a lot of confidence and be able to to and repetition. Repetition is important. I've been shooting shots in the gym. I've shot, you know, a million shots in my career. You know, just outside of the gym, just getting the perfect reputation, getting to where it's almost like, like breathing. You know, just like second nature. You just do it. Just same form every time. You have to see my shot because it's so ugly. Yeah, and, and we we can work. <laughs> I'll work on it with work you. I will improve it. I will improve yeah? it at least fifteen twenty percent. How's that? <laughs> I think I, I I have a shooter mentality, but I don't have a shot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. that's good. No, the mentality part is good. So you, that's good. You should shoot every time you can. And then you just you can. The mechanics are easy. Yeah. You just correct a few things, and you'll be good. A few weeks ago, I played in uh, amateur league. Yeah, I made five threes on six shots. So I was like, wow, this, this is, is crazy. Yeah. So, so the next time I, I went to the gym, and m one of my friends uh, who wasn't there. Uh, he, 
he called me and, and he was saying, hey, guys are saying that you were shooting all the time because <laughs> now your confidence is yeah. so big. Yeah, that's yeah. good, man. That's good, man. I mean, you, uh, it's like they say, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So you have to shoot the ball, right? So that's the only way to... Um, it's it's Kobe, Kobe mentality. Yeah, 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 mentality. yeah, exactly. You know, I a lot of, a lot of times I find even this year, even the, my my time in Jelena Gora, I I always at the end. Of, I mean, I'm, there's a lot of times where I see myself and that I could have taken, I should have taken the shot. You know, it's almost to the point where I was hurting the team by not shooting those shots. You know, can you tell and, us a story about the, your decision making in in Gliwice? When you told me you are not, uh, the their defense was so horrible that you are not going to to shoot. Well, no, I you know not horrible. I just you know it's frustrating. I, I don't like playing against teams that uh, you know you play like a pick and roll and everything is open, every option is open. I could shoot, but I also have this guy, the rolling guy, I could pass to. I have my teammate over here that's open. And, you know, it's almost like it's so everything's open. You don't know what to do, and so <laughs> it creates uh, you to hesitate. And that's the worst thing you can do as a basketball player. Hesitation is terrible. Um, if you hesitate, then you've already missed. Uh, I like, you know, that's why in those moments uh, when I shoot the ball in the last few seconds or I play one-on-one, I know that I'm going to shoot the ball. So there's no hesitation, and that's when I'm the most successful. That's why when people always tell me, hey, you always score when you got a guy's hand in your face. I know because I'm so focused. I know that I have to shoot the ball, and I'm so concentrated, and I'm not thinking about maybe this guy's open or something like that. I know that I have to shoot the ball. And that's, uh, so like against Levice, it was just, I played pick and roll and I was like, I didn't know what to do, you know? And I was hesitating. So <laughs> it's better not to shoot when you're hesitant because you're probably going to miss. Thomas, it was a big pleasure to talk with you. And yeah. Like always, you too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Yeah.